Hey everyone, Pastor Brenda here, and we are continuing on in this series that we're calling Comeback, which was really our word of the year for 2021 was this word, come back. And we are really pressing into coming back to the presence of God and what that means for us, both individually and corporately as we come together as a church. And so today I wanna to talk about that more corporate sort of side of coming back to the presence of God, coming back to that thing that is most important for us, to be settled and grounded in his presence. And so I want to jump sort of off of um, Psalm 73 today. And this is a psalm that is by, um, not by David, not all of the psalms were written by David, some of them were written by other people. And this one is written um, by a man named um, Asaph. And Asaph was a Levite, um, so he was one of those people who was charged with carrying um, out the duties in the temple. So those who worked in the temple, those who were Levites and took care of the temple of God were either keepers of the sacred um, elements and um, of the sacrifices, or some of them were musicians, and Asaph was actually a lead musician. The Bible tells us that he was both a singer and he played the cymbals. And so he was part of um, this regimen under David of people who served in the temple in song. And I wanted to just unpack a couple of scriptures here really quickly. In 1 Chronicles 6, it says this, starting in verse 31. These are the men David put in charge of the music in the Lord's temple after the ark came there to rest. They ministered with song in front of the tabernacle or the tent of meeting um, until Solomon built the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. And they performed their task according to the regulations given to them. These are the men who served with their sons. And Asaph is, is mentioned among the names of those who served in the temple. First Chronicles 9 goes on to say this, the singers, the heads of the Levite families, stayed in the temple chambers and were exempt from all other tasks because they were on duty day and night. And Chronicles 23.20 tells us this, they are also to stand every morning to give thanks and praise to the Lord and likewise in the evening. So what I want to pull out of those scriptures is that these were people who were set apart from everybody else. They had no other job, no other duty, except to praise and give thanks and worship to God on behalf of the people of Israel. In the tabernacle, it, it mentions the tabernacle, the um, tent of meaning, and Solomon's temple. Those are all uh, examples throughout the Old Testament of the place where God's presence resided, the place where God dwelt among his people. And so these Levites were the ones who um, attended to everything in the, in the tabernacle or temple, but Asaph in particular was a singer and musician. And so I, I was thinking about the fact that the way this is laid out, that they, they never left the temple. They lived in the temple and day and night sang praises to God and how beautiful this must have been uh, for those who were camped around the temple, which was how it was set up, that the temple was in the middle and the camps were around it. 
They would constantly hear the sound of praise and worship and thanksgiving to God coming out of the tabernacle. The voices of those who were charged in carrying the presence and singing was constantly filling, filling the air around them. What a beautiful thing. I just think that is that must have been so beautiful to have actually been a part of that community, listening to the praise going up before the Lord. And I want to jump into Psalm 73 and just break down something um, that Asaph sort of went through in this psalm um, for you. And so in Psalm uh, 73, verse 1 to 3, it says this, Surely God is good to Israel and to those who are pure in heart. But then he says, as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And for several verses after that, you can go and read Psalm 73 yourself. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But for several verses after that, he talks about the fact that he doesn't see in the life of the wicked that they are not being blessed. He's like, you know what? There's people who don't serve God. There's people who just do their own thing. And you know what? I'm looking at their life and it looks prosperous and it looks like they're blessed. Even though they're out there just doing their own thing, they're sinning, they don't even care about God. I'm beginning to wonder, and he kind of asks and poses this question in this psalm, is it really even worth it to serve God? Does it make any difference in my life? Because my life seems a little hard and sometimes I go through suffering and there's hard stuff going on, but I look at the, the wicked and they seem to be prospering. So he's wrestling with this question and he describes it in, in this um, verse at the beginning by saying, I almost lost my footing. Like, I, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus being like the rock. Jesus is the word. If we build our lives on his principles, on his word, our feet are like planted on a rock. And I believe that's a a principle that even the Old Testament um, prophets and singers and all of these people would have known that God is like my rock, my refuge, my sure foundation. But he said, my feet were starting to slip because my thinking was getting a little out of hand. I was spiraling out in these thoughts and wondering if it was even worth it to serve God. He was wrestling with some things. He was questioning things. He was beginning to wonder, is God even fair? I don't even know if I like this anymore. So he goes through Psalm 73, he goes through this wrestling about the wicked. You know, and this is sort of an age-old wrestle. Job had the same wrestle. He had the same wrestle in his soul. Is it worth it to serve God? That question of, you know, I see the wicked prospering and my life doesn't seem to be all that great. Is it even worth it to serve God. In Psalm 73, verse 16, he says this, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. So he's trying really hard to understand, but he's going, it troubles me. What I see in the world from my own perspective is very troubling, and I can't come to terms with it. And then he says this, This this hit me so powerfully when I read it. He said, it troubled me deeply until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood. 
So he's saying, I was wrestling deeply. I'm out here on my own. My thoughts are spinning. You know, I'm starting to wonder all these questions about God's goodness until I went into the sanctuary. And then it all became clear. Then I understood. In the sanctuary, the sanctuary is the place where they would sing the praises of God, where their people would meet with God. The sanctuary was the place that was set apart in Israel in the Old Testament as the place where the presence of God resided, where God himself would dwell among his people was in the sanctuary. And so he goes into this place of worship and thanksgiving and constant praise before the throne of God. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that, in the community of people who are worshiping God, everything becomes clear and his, his thinking is set right again. He has the right perspective again. He says, when I came into the sanctuary, then I could discern the truth. Then everything became clear to me. I want to talk about three things about the corporate or, or about the presence of God. And we're going to get into the corporate presence of God today. But God's presence is everywhere. We know this from scripture. He is omnipresent, which means God is present everywhere at all times. The Bible says he fills everything everywhere with himself. It says God's glory fills the whole earth. It says there's nowhere you can go to escape the presence of God. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times. He is here with me while I'm speaking to a camera in an empty room. And he is there with you as you're listening to the words. He is present with us all of the time. And God's presence isn't just an abstract idea out there somewhere. He's actually present with you and with me personally as well. Um, it's not just that he's, you know, we, we go, okay, he's near me. When you become a Christian and you give your life to Christ and you accept him, he, the Bible says he comes and he dwells with you. You are the temple of God. The New Testament Christian is the temple of the living God. When Jesus died on the cross and the veil was ripped before the Holy of Holies, the presence of God was released to be with mankind. And Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit onto his disciples and they waited in the upper room to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's a promise for you and I too, that we are filled with the Spirit of God, that God's presence rests and resides and dwells with us at all times. And even though you are a Christian and you've invited Christ into your life and he dwells with you in that way, one day you come to the realization that he was always there. But long before you ever said yes to him, he was wooing you with his love. He was there every step of the way. There wasn't a moment of your life that was caught outside of his presence. He was always, always with you. He is always with all of us all of the time. God's presence is for us per personally. We are a people set apart for his presence. Just like Israel was a people who were set aside to carry and to steward the presence of God in the midst of the world around them, Christians today are, carry the presence of God. We are commissioned with stewarding the presence of God in our lives and carrying that into the world around us. We are people set apart for his presence. God just didn't show up the day that you accepted him. He was always there. 
And even though we carry the presence of God with us each personally, the presence of God is here with us when we gather together corporately in the same place. When we come together, there is something very precious that happens. And it's not that you can't meet God on your own. You absolutely can. Like I said, he is with you all of the time. Just you, just me. He's with us all of the time. But the Bible is really clear in, in many different um, pictures and ways that when we come together, there's something about that, that like exponentially grows. And you know what this is like, right? We've been online for, I don't know, a year and a half now, I guess. And you can watch online and it's great, you know, if you happen to be on vacation or you miss a Sunday, great. You can still catch the message and keep up with what's going on in the home church. That's awesome. But to do that consistently for a long period of time forsakes the coming together in the assembly of God that we are called to do. That's why we kept this church open as much as we could during COVID, even when it was only small groups of 10 that could meet together. We were meeting with lots of people in those groups of 10 because there's something precious about coming together with the people of God, with other people who recognize they're carrying the presence of God. And we come together and something inside of us sort of collides together, my little light and your little light, and it begins to exponentially grow. The New Testament talks about several things that happen when we come together corporately. And I want to read a couple of scriptures just to help us unpack this. In Ephesians 4, Paul teaches us this. He says, um, I'm going to read a good chunk of scripture here. I'm going to start in verse 11 and read through to verse 18. He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. That's the fivefold ministry gifts to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Just note here that it's not just the pastors and the teachers who are supposed to do the ministry. They are there to teach and build up and encourage and equip the body, the saints, that's all of you, to do the work of the ministry, not just a select few people. We are all in this together. We build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching by human cunning and cleverness in techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow up in every way into him who is the head Christ. From him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. So I want to note a few things from this scripture. First of all, he talks about not being tossed around by every, how does he say it, by every wind of teaching and human cunning and cleverness. So as we were reading um, in Psalm 73, when he was not together with the body of Christ, 
He was having these thoughts that were just not lined up with the kingdom of God. He was drifting off. He was a little tossed to, to and fro, right? Like children. He, wa he wasn't grown up in this area of his life, spiritually mature and solid. But when he came into the sanctuary, it became clear. Something became clear in the presence of other believers praising and worshiping God that was not clear when he was on his own. Um, this scripture tells us a lot of things about the family of God, that we equip and teach each other, that we fit together perfectly. We build each other up in love. We support each other. We are knit together in unity. We grow into maturity together as a community. We become more like Christ together. We keep each other from falling into deception. And we exercise our spiritual gifts with one another and we walk in our purpose and calling together as the body of Christ. What Paul is saying here totally reflects what Asaph was saying in Psalm 73. When I came into the sanctuary, everything became clear. The two of them are saying the same thing. When we come into the presence of other believers, when we come together and we're using our gifts and we're ministering to each other and encouraging each other and discerning things together, we grow together. And that is what the community of God is all about. And we need community. I can't exercise my gifts and my calling alone. It has to be done in community with other people. That's what we're called to do, to submit to one another, to serve one another, to come together and love one another. That's what the community of God, the body of Christ, is all about. Um, Asaph, the same as last week, we were talking about Isaiah and Isaiah 6, that he saw God for who he really was. And I feel like we get the same thing too. Everything comes into perspective when we're in the presence of other believers. You know, I can be going through my week and everything seems hard and difficult and like I'm stuck. And then I come into the presence and I lift my hands and I begin to worship with the rest of you. And something shifts inside of me and everything becomes clear. And like we said last week in Isaiah 6, God becomes big and my problems become small. Anything that's standing in the way of my relationship, my poor thought patterns, all of that begins to come to the surface in the light of Christ. And I begin to see his goodness and his faithfulness and redemption in my life. Everything comes in a clear perspective in the presence of God when we come together. Isaiah 5, 18 says this, 18 to 21, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. This is another, um, I guess, encouragement of Paul as to what it should look like when we come together, when we're submitted to one another and serving one another, and we come together, that we would speak psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in our hearts to the Lord. Now, I want to be clear. Paul <laughs> Paul is taking what was corporate Old Testament and he's making it personal New Testament concept. He's, he's making that switch for people. It's no longer something that's just in the sanctuary, the tabernacle, the temple. It's something you carry in your life. And he's saying, just like it was in Psalm 73 in the days of Asaph, 
when he went into the sanctuary and the people praised and, and, and sang thanksgiving and songs to God in the sanctuary all day, every day. Now you, as the temple of God, are to be in that, filled with that spirit of God that all of the time the spirit is overflowing out of you of worship and praise and thanksgiving to God. And when we come together as the body of Christ and we sort of collide together with each other, it just spills out onto each other. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to pull into the parking lot next week and the parking team is going to start singing songs over you as you come into the parking lot. Now as awesome as that would be, that's not what Paul is talking about. The heart of what Paul is saying here is that when we come together as the people of God, when we come together with the body, when we come together in church, we are coming together prepared, spiritually prayed up and ready to walk in every prompting of the spirit when we are together with each other. What if we prepared ourselves when we came to church? Now we have a group of leaders and staff who every week are committed to praying through Saturday night and into the morning Sunday before we come into church. Praying to prepare our own hearts as spiritual ground for God to work. Praying so that our we are in the presence of God and our minds are focused, that we have his heart and his perspective when we walk in this building. And there are people who come into this building every single Sunday and pray over the space so that when you walk in, this place is prepared for you spiritually. And this place is prepared as a, as a place where you can encounter the presence of God because there are people who are carrying it with them and stewarding it well and preparing themselves to move under the unction and prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, what if we all did that? That's sort of my challenge to us today. What if when we come together, we all did that? Wouldn't that be amazing? What if we were praying in the morning saying, God, if you want me to pray for someone today, if you have a word for somebody today, you can use me. I'm prepared for that. I'm going to be listening. I'm going to have my spiritual ears open to whatever it is you want to do today. And I'm going to be prepared to minister to anybody who needs it. Do you have a word today, God, for somebody that I can carry into the place with me? What if we all came prepared like that? filled with the Spirit of God, ready to pour out on each other. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing if we came, became dedicated to this kind of stuff? You see this with our worship team. Sometimes they just sort of break out in spontaneous songs or they'll kind of stop the music and they'll begin to speak words over you of encouragement. That's because they've been praying and preparing themselves in the presence of God so that they can lead you well. You see that when Andrew or I get up to pray and sometimes we have a specific word or a way that we're leading. We don't always have that prepared way ahead of time. Sometimes that's just what God is doing in the moment. And if we're not together, we are going to miss those moments. And so I want to talk to you um, just really, really specifically here at the end for our online audience. There is something really beautiful and really special when we come together that we just can't get online. And as grateful as I am for having the online community during this time of COVID, we are coming to a place where it's time to come back together. And we are calling you to come back to this house, to come back 
to regularly meeting together as a family. I believe this is so important for us. That's why we've moved to one service in the month of August as we meet together because we want to build community. We want us to be together in one space. And so I wanna challenge you, if you haven't been back at church, if, if maybe you're just taking it easy and going, well, it's online anyway, I can stay in my pajamas, you're missing out on something. And just pastorally, as your pastor, I want to call you to come back into the family of God, to get connected again. There is something special that happens when we come together. And so we wanted to begin to just announce and to tell you that coming up in September, we are going to shift how we do online content. Part of that is financial. It actually costs us a, a lot of money to record and to get these messages out on Sunday and we would rather be spending that on other things. And when we do video content, it will likely be things like worship or discipleship stuff, not necessarily just um, rehashing the Sunday service because we want you to be in the Sunday service. All restrictions have been lifted. Um, other than social distancing, we're free to come back and meet together. And so we want you to come back into a place where we are prayed up and prepared and filled with the Spirit of God and ready to minister to each other because we want you to get to experience that in community. It's something we can't experience at home alone. And so our challenge, my challenge to you, just as I say that, I just want to throw this out, that my challenge is that when you come back into church, when you are back actually in this place, that you are praying and preparing yourself and filling yourself up with the Spirit of God so that you have something to contribute and to give when you get here too. We are not consumers. This is not a consumeristic gospel or faith that we live. We're actually called to submit to and to actually um, serve one another in this way in a corporate gathering. Um, we don't we don't come to church only for what we get out of it. That's what being a consumer is. We don't come to church just for what we get out of it. We come to serve others, to be challenged, to be built up, and to exercise those gifts, which we're going to see more of in our corporate services. Let me just pray over you at the end here. So Father God, I just thank you for this message of encouragement for our souls. I pray God that you would encourage um, us to actually come back together. And Father, as we do, and as we pray and lean into your presence and steward your presence well in our own personal lives, as we come back together corporately, I pray that you would do the most amazing things for us as a body, as a people, as a community, a people for your presence, that you would begin, that we would actually see gifts, people walking in gifts, people having prophecies and words of knowledge and healings happening in our presence. God, we long for those things that the New Testament church saw. We long for those things that they saw when they were filled with the Spirit and came together and met together in your presence. And so God, we're asking for that. I'm asking for an outpouring of your Spirit on Mountain Park Church. I'm asking for that over every church, every church. As people are coming back together and gathering again, I pray that we would see a great outpouring of the gifts of the Spirit and a great outpouring of your presence that will impact people's lives in Jesus' name. Amen.